guys. We're going to jump in. Um, we've been for the, uh, I don't know how long, uh, but we've been slowly making our way through the microchurch handbook that's over on the resource table. So if you haven't gotten a chance to grab one of those and flip through it, uh, definitely do that. It's something that Aaron, when he was on bed rest for a month, uh, put, you know, compiled years of, of, uh, teachings and resources that he'd put together and it's really really great like you know I get people asking me all the time from other communities what are what are some good resources for microchurches and mission and and I honestly say you know this is this is a really nice easy practical resource and and it's it's right there so if you don't have one make sure you grab one um, but we have been working our way through it, and now Aaron, if you don't know, he's on a three-month sabbatical, and we've gotten to a point in the Microchurch Handbook titled Context and Calling. So one of the things I thought would be cool is to camp out on this context and calling uh, topic and just tell stories of people in our community that are in different spots of understanding their context and calling. So one of our values that we'll actually talk about in a couple of weeks, Don's going to teach on this value. It's called it's called and capable. Called and capable. And so and what that means is that we believe every person uh, who says they're follow, following Jesus is sent by God into their particular context, and they are capable of discerning that context and their unique calling. Um, within God's mission in that space. And that looks different for each one of us, depending on where we live or the, the type of people that we're called to or, the, or a cause that we're passionate about. So we each have a context. We each have a calling, whether you know it or not. And, but many of us have, have spent some time discerning, what is my context? What, what am I uniquely called to within, within the mission of God? And so over the next four or five gatherings, we're just going to get to hear from people uh, who are in different places in discerning that. Um, none of us haven't figured it out at all, um, but it's just helpful to kind of hear, hey, what, like, as I've been thinking about this in my own life, what does that look like? And, and then hopefully each one of us will be able to reflect on the stories that we hear and maybe gain a better understanding of what our context and calling might be. Sound good? All right, so today I'm very excited. We're going to get to hear from Ariel. So Ariel Kaler, if you haven't gotten to spend any time with Ariel, you are missing out because she is awesome. Actually, Ariel, if you could go back and grab the mic from Pierce there. Um, Ariel has been a huge blessing to uh, my family, Nicole and me and the girls, as well as uh, our community for the last two years, starting with Hope, obviously, and then merging together with Commonwealth. Um, one of the things that I hear all the time about Ariel is she is just a great friend. Do you, have you ever heard that? Has anyone ever told you that? Because they say it about you. <laughs> I have heard people tell me that. Yeah, it's really sweet. <laughs> She's a great friend, and she makes you feel like you're important, even if you're not. <laughs> you are all important. Don't listen to Charlie. <laughs> so... Um, but and and I have to say, Ariel uh, was super gracious to agree to do this. Um, yeah. Because I know this is not like your comfort zone, and that's Very okay. Out of my comfort zone. Um, but uh, I was super excited to get Ariel up here and just hear a little bit about um, her her context. So one of the first things that I uh, learned or grew to love about Ariel was. 
just her passion and love for her community and how she deeply cares uh, for the place that God has has put her and called her and, and her neighborhood in particular. Uh, that is, would you consider it Five Points or Morningside? It's kind of right between. Yeah, it's like right in the middle. I feel like if you look on the map, yeah, it's right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So East Can I Knoxville. Let's call it East Knoxville. Yeah. East Knoxville, kind of right? Like She's about a mile south uh, from Nicole and me in Park Ridge, uh, just a couple blocks off of MLK, um, right by Walter P. Um, that community there and and the, the uh, Odd Fellows Cemetery. Just kind of yes, some yeah. points of... Across the street <clears throat> from the gas station, yeah. if you know where that is. The five-way stop sign. That is five points, or, yeah. or at least yeah, it's a five-point intersection. It right? is, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Ariel, we just want to hear a little bit about um, uh, that, your context, and kind of how you've been thinking about that. So, so the first thing I'd love for you to share with us is what brought you to Knoxville? Okay. And specifically, how did God call you to or place you in your particular community? Yeah, great question. Um, So I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, That's where I grew up. And I came to East Tennessee to go to Maribel College for school. And then as I was graduating, I applied to like, I don't know, 25 jobs across the country. And the only one that I landed happened to be in Knoxville, Tennessee at Emerald Youth Foundation, um, where I worked with inner city high school kids, um, which is what I wanted to do. Um, I'd known I wanted to do that for a long time. But yeah, so I grew up in Memphis. um, And a lot of times I talk about my neighborhood that I live in now looks a lot like the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, So it's been really interesting to reflect over my time in Knoxville and just my life in general and look around and see where I live now and how that's so similar to where I grew up. Um, Yeah, whenever I was, like, trying to figure out where I wanted to live and whenever I bought my house, I knew about this concept about, um, it's called being an intentional neighbor. And so whenever I was a junior in high school, I went to a leadership summit, and that was kind of the first time that I'd heard of that term. Um, It's also that leadership summit um, was at a place called Service Over Self. It's also where I found Jesus and kind of learned what it meant to actually be a Christian um, and with like your actions and how you treat people. And so whenever I was looking and thinking about what I wanted, being an intentional neighbor was like on the forefront of my mind even from a young age of being a junior or sophomore in high school. So. Great. Could you, on, so you weren't, there wasn't a, a clear calling to go to East Knoxville specifically, right. but yes. what were some of the things that you were looking for in a neighborhood? Because I think, you know, for most of us, when we're looking for a home and this is not to say what well, it's not good or bad, but we're, we're thinking about different things than I think some mm-hmm. of the questions you were asking. So what, what were some of those things that you were looking for? Yeah, so whenever I looked, or I knew I wanted to buy a house, it's kind of a decision that I made kind of on a whim. I was like, well, I could buy a house. Um, I got a full-time remote working job and um, for some reason decided that I wanted to plant more roots, even though my job is remote. Um, so yeah, whenever I was looking for a neighborhood, my top things were I, diversity. I mean, that was my number one. Um, I knew that I didn't want everyone around me to look like me. Um, I knew that I didn't want everyone around me to be in the same, like, socioeconomic status. Um, yeah, I, and I wanted to live in a place where I could serve the community that I lived in. And you can do that anywhere you, where, anywhere you live, right? Like, everyone needs to be served at any point in time in their life. Um, but I knew I wanted to be in a space that looked like the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, and so... Yeah, and I knew that I wanted to contribute to, like, the livelihood of the people around me. So um, 
I didn't know this till I moved in, but after I moved in, my neighbor across the street, his name is Willie. Um, he's like, I don't know, 65 years old, maybe retired man. He's lived there the entire like development of the community, like the street that I live on. Um, and he mows my lawn. And so there are other people that I could have mow my lawn and they would probably be a, maybe a little bit more consistent and it might look a little bit different. Um, but I pay him to mow my lawn because that's what he does. Right. Um, so yeah, I knew that I wanted to be in a place with diversity. I wanted to contribute and like be intentional with where I lived. Um, and I wanted to be in a space where I felt like I could contribute to it and make it better. That's great. Could you, um, you mentioned the concept of being an intentional neighbor. So um, there was some, whether it was a training or, or whatever it is that you received, could you unpack that a little bit for us? What does it look like to be an intentional neighbor? Yeah. Um, so I definitely don't know like the full answer to that because um, I think that looks different for everyone. Um, I will say like being an intentional neighbor for me so far has not been easy um, to say the least. Um, I think it means for you know, it means to show up for people. Um, it means to be present. It means to, like, be available and be around. And I could certainly be better at that. Um, like you guys know, I travel more frequently probably than maybe a really good intentional neighbor would. Um, but, yeah, I think it just means to be present um, and kind of serve in the way that you think that you can. So a couple of ways that I've done that is last holiday season, I made cookies for everyone in my neighborhood and delivered to their doorstep and um, wrote them a note. Most of my neighbors don't want to talk to me, um, or just in general, not just me, but they go into their house, and that's kind of where they settle for the evening. Um, and so, yeah, write them a note, dropped off cookies, dropped off flowers. Um, one time last uh, Christmas, I delivered them Christmas cards, and I had a couple of them returned into my mailbox. Um, so I don't know who that came from or who it was returned by, but that doesn't change my actions towards anyone on my street, right? Like, I'm still going to deliver Christmas cards to everyone this year. Um, and yeah, I think another example uh, that I think I could be better at or more consistent with is last year... Um, Every morning I would go work out. I don't really do that anymore, but at the time I was. And so we have a lot of bus stops by our house, like three or four. And there were two people who were always by the bus stop every morning at 6 a.m. And I a couple times delivered them coffee and didn't wait around long enough to like ask them their name or where they were going, right? I was like, hey, I have this coffee. Do you want it? I was like on the way to work out. Um, so I think I could have been a little bit more intentional with that um, and want to maybe continue that in the future. But um, yeah, being a single woman and driving somewhere at 6 a.m., it was night at the time, so it wasn't something that I, like, felt comfortable getting out of my car and, like, having a full conversation, but wanted to show up for them, um, in a way that I felt comfortable and, and felt like I could, um, so yeah, a couple of dreams that I have, like, in being an intentional neighbor, I actually had a dream of this, I was, like, asleep and dreamt this, but my street is a cove, so it, like, goes, turns around, um, and my dream is that we would have a cookout at the end of the cove, and, like, everyone on the street would come. I think that's probably pretty far off. Um, I don't even know all my neighbors' names yet, um, but, yeah, that's, like, a big dream that I have one day. Well, I love that, you know, despite the fact that it definitely has not been easy, and yeah. sometimes your intentional neighboring has not been reciprocated, you... you deeply love your little street there and you're going to keep keep trying and keep pushing forward even if it's slow work which it often is yeah. you know when we Definitely. when we uh invest in our context and try to join God in the work that he's doing and you know a lot of 
the progress is out of our control and mm-hmm. we just trust that God cares even more about our community and he, the work that he's doing is uh, beyond us and beyond our understanding and we, we just get to take part in it. So I, I love just your intentionality and persistence in doing that. Yeah, um, <laughs> in close, how can we uh, support you in your context as a community? We all have different contexts, obviously. None of us live... Uh, super close to you. Probably Nicole and I live about the closest. Probably the closest. Um, yeah. But it is a very different community. Uh, how can yeah? How can we, as as a larger community, support you in your calling and context? Yeah. So I think um, number one for me, and one of the reasons why I'm here at Commonwealth is just caring about the people that I care about. Um, I care about the people in my community. I live five minutes from Austin East High School. Um, I live. You could throw a rock to Morningside Park. Um, and so a lot of times East Knoxville gets a bad rap. That's how Memphis was too. It got, got a bad rap. Anytime I tell somebody that I'm from Memphis, they typically have something negative to say. Um, anytime I tell people that I live in East Knoxville, they typically have something negative to say. So I think um, for me is I think having conversations about East Knoxville that kind of debunks and dispels what people, like the preconceived notions that they have, right? I think I have a lot of conversations just with passer buyers about things like that because um, they have something to say that's not always positive. So, yeah, I think having those conversations and um, caring about the people that I care about. I mean, one of the reasons why I came to Commonwealth is because at the last church that I was a part of, um, I'd had a conversation with some people. We were, like, doing a prayer request circle, and I don't typically speak up in those situations. And at the time, uh, all the shootings were happening with kids at Austin East. I don't know if you all remember that. But I had brought that up to that community, and they didn't really have anything to say um, but had a lot to say about other things. And so I left that small group is what is what it was. But I left that small group and was like, this is probably not the place for me. I need to find somebody or someplace that cares about the people that I also care about, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's probably number one. Um, some practical things is I would love to do like a prayer walk in my neighborhood. I haven't felt confident enough or comfortable enough to do that yet. Um, so I don't really know what that looks like, but I think that's like a practical step that I want to challenge myself and do. Um, it's like a, just a prayer walk around my street. So yeah, that's what I would say. Great. Thanks. Can we pray for you? Yeah. Father, I just lift up Ariel to you and um, just thank you so much for her big heart um, for people, people that you love and people that are often overlooked. I thank you that uh, she would move into a place that may not be the most comfortable, um, some people may not think is the safest place, um, especially for a young single woman, uh, yet she did it because you were calling her to do that. And uh, I just pray that you bless the work that she's doing there, um, that you go before her, that uh, you create space for relationships, uh, mutually um, uh, beneficial relationships. Ariel's not there as, as a savior by any means, but uh, she has much to learn and receive from her community as she does uh, to give. And so I just pray that you open doors and soften hearts and bring people around Ariel um, and her particular calling and context um, so that uh, she can continue to see you do amazing things in that space. Uh, pray over her street and over the neighborhood around that. 
um, pray for the elderly and the kids and everything in between, um, and that your kingdom would come in that space, as in uh, every street that is represented here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ariel. All right, uh, so this is what we're going to do. Um, let's give Ariel a hand. That's what we're going to do. We are going to take it to the table. So I think we're pretty evenly spaced here in the table, so we don't need to do any shuffling around. Um, but we're just going to talk about two questions for the next 10 minutes. The first being, what about Ariel's story or anything she said resonated with you? Okay, so you can just share maybe something was like a light bulb moment or something that gave, created a question within you or, or whatever that might be. So process that around your table. The second question is at this moment, and maybe this is the first time you've thought about this, and that's okay. You can be honest about that. At this moment, what would you define as your context? Okay, what would you define as the space or the people group or the cause that God uh, has called you into or is calling you into? Um, and if you get done with those two and you want to talk about how you have or could step into that space, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, but let's start with these two questions. All right.